0: Hey, yo. Yo. Okay. All right. I'm just waiting. Why
1: would start? Okay. I guess Leo will call in in a, in a minute. There you
0: go. Yo. Leo. All right. Can you... All right. Yes, I can hear you now. Show. Yes, sir.
1: Um. So we, have, we were talking earlier, and um, Leonidas, 1% Leo, has an announcement to make. Uh, So I will let him make the announcement, and then we'll get started on the podcast and shit. So go ahead, Leo.
2: Well, the the clan of 1% shall gain another heir for peasants. (laughs) I am expecting a child. March 2021 will be its due date. Can't wait. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. And, uh, is this
1: going to affect the wedding at all? Sorry, I mean, I don't mean to get personal, but is this going to affect, like, uh, my
2: wedding? Nah, because we're going to uh, push in, uh, to twenty two uh, to 2022 um, okay. in April. So the kid will be just over a year. And, like, you know, new daddy talk, we say 13 months at that point. Okay. okay. Um, so, yeah, no, I think we should be good. I think we're going to do legal marriage. This, this one, do and save money on them taxes. Smart. Very smart.
1: Nice. But so, Legal's having a family. Yeah, I'm
2: like, excited, man.
1: Congratulations to Her, me Heard out. the
2: heartbeat for the first time today.
1: It's life changing, isn't nice. it? Life changing,
2: huh? it, it. It is. It's cool. It's, uh, you know, I feel more responsible uh, as the minute grows. Just the wow. beginning.
1: Just the beginning. I'll tell Nacho while you're on the <laughs> phone that um, my first, my, my oldest son was supposed to be a girl. And we didn't find out until the day of delivery. So we had a bunch of like gender neutral clothes just to make sure. And the day of delivery, we found out it was a boy. It was a bit of a rollercoaster whirlwind, but hey, man. All the best to you, your fiance, your family and stuff, man, and this is the fun part. Just try to enjoy the fun the early ages. They grew up super... my son's doing physics right now. It's crazy. Like, he grew up so <laughs> fast. It's crazy,
0: man. Damn, like, really?
2: Man. Physics? Yeah. Yeah,
1: man. Is, like, yeah. Ninth grade physics. Like, what? I did physics in my junior year, and I barely got through that, man. That was crazy, so. He's already, he fast to grow up, so.
2: I didn't do physics till U of A, yeah, I <laughs> electives. <laughs> I never touched physics. Oh, really? Like I only, I only did chemistry though, but I never did physics. I like chemistry. Chemistry was fun, bro.
1: I had a great teacher.
2: Yeah, I had um, a hot teacher, so oh, I did you. well.
1: There, there you go, there you go. So, welcome to the America Junkie Podcast. I am Lee Trouble in the building. We got Nacho here. We got 1% Leo here. And there's a lot going on, but there's not a lot going on at the same time. Um, obviously, you know, the, some of the topics we wanted to talk about today was, I guess we could start with school um, and just how everybody's adjusting because I know in my household, you know, school is a big deal in terms of like it's totally changed our family dynamics. So, uh, Nacho, you've worked in education for a very long time. I wanted to get your thoughts mm-hmm. on the- what you you think about what's going on with the virtual learning and stuff and how people are adjusting and everything like that?
0: People, I think, are adjusting fairly well. Uh, I was speaking with a a co-worker who has a couple children actually at the high school that we work at, and they're actually enjoying the virtual learning a lot. Um, You know, last quarter was when everything shut down, so we had nine weeks to kind of get a trial run on what this would look like, so I think the transition has been pretty well um, this first week we're just getting a lot of influx of parents who are trying to get their laptops you know set up and' had a huge laptop distribution of our students you know I work in a lower you know ur- more of an urban school so you know a good portion of our students don't have access to laptops or or even um you know wi-fi or high speed internet so you know, that's, that's definitely been a challenge. Um, but so far, I think it's going okay. We're just waiting to hear from our school board if they're going to go to full virtual for the first quarter, which would be through uh, the first week of October, which we all are for pretty much for certain um, is going to be the case. Uh, but everything seems to be going okay. It hasn't been really too stressful on my end, just with no kids on campus, you know, so that's obviously been different, but um, that's kind of where we're at. Uh, as far as sports are concerned here in Arizona, I know they're deciding um, restructuring the fall sports uh, schedule this week. Uh, I know the football and the uh, volleyball teams have been working out on campus, so it's not business as usual, so it's kind of waiting to see what the final decisions are, but, you know, there's – they're trying to be as normal as they possibly could be. Possibly could be under the circumstances.
1: All right. Yeah. And um, so, are you on campus right now? Like as the day goes by, or are you are you working virtually as well?
0: Oh no, I'm on campus.
1: You're on campus. Oh, that's yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so I'm basically like I'm just taking temperatures, staff, you know, parents, just kind of odds and ends. Just being around this, being around campus, pretty much. So. It's not difficult. It's just, you know, being outside a good portion of the day. Obviously, here in AZ, once it gets past noon, you can get pretty. Difficult. But it's not anything that I'm not used to. All
1: right. Yeah. I will have to say for my family right now, too, it's pretty smooth. Um, my youngest, he has the best schedule in the world. Like, he wants to be in class, like, 20 minutes at a time. And uh, oh. he gets, like, hour breaks in the middle of the day. And my oldest is the complete opposite, where he has seven classes from like eight to three, uh, all AP stuff. So, you know, we're all on our laptops. It seems like from about seven o'clock in the morning to about three o'clock in the afternoon. So, wow. designated space and stuff, and everybody seems to be adjusting to their own space and everything.
0: But yeah, um, especially with high school, they're they're kind of sticking to a virtual bell schedule. Like I'm yeah. sure with your oldest, who's well, he's a ninth grader, so. This first hour class, like the way they 're checking in and stuff like they're they still have to do you know show attendance and they're still getting regular lunch you know obviously it 's everything but being on campus and getting the social aspect of everything but yeah you know I've, it's it's been pretty impressive how everyone 's kind of adjusted to uh, to this new normal obviously there's tons of parents who think that this is still you know why aren 't we in school why aren 't they in class and complaining and all that jazz and just seeing all these Facebook posts, how these kids should be in school and parents complaining about having their kids at home. And, you know, that's always going to be the case too, but, you know, they're not going to win that fight.
1: Yeah. I just think that it's just like for parents that can't work remote, I feel bad for them, but if you can work remote, you shouldn't have an issue with this. Now it is kind of, it is an adjustment where, you know, I might have to get off a work call or get out of a, you know, an assignment or something I'm doing and they check on my kids and make sure they're on that. But that's 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 many that's that's little stuff compared to everything else that's going on. And hopefully I think the sports thing is gonna be the most interesting. Did you guys see the uh, the Pat Twelve um thing that's going on where some of the athletes are pretty much united to try to get some reforms pushed through the Pat Twelve. Do so y'all see that story? Yep. I did and I
0: see the big tech yeah.
2: doing something similar. Yeah. Uh I mean you got you have to like they uh, this looks like it's going to be the first semblance and the forming of a, a players association or type a um a workers union cuz th- what they're doing is what pretty much what a union would do. Um I I don't know Nacho or or Lee I don't know if you heard um the Washington State football players they got some some players got their their scholarships pulled. Yeah, at least in this. Thing. Yeah, that's like just for because they're part of this little, little um, uh, protest. Wow.
0: Yeah, that's. I mean, that's really the. We're really at a crossroads, especially with college sports, because these conferences they're acting how the NFL and Major League Baseball are acting. That's how they're trying to treat these guys. Except these players aren't being paid. They're not being compensated, and especially if they're not able to go to school and they're just doing their stuff virtually. There's not much difference in them than being an NFL player, because their entire day will revolve around their sport. And it's time. Like, this is the make or break for the entire, you know, college or, you know, athlete to really just get some sort of pay structure in, some sort of compensation, or else it's never, ever going to happen. Like, this is the time. They're they're more than likely going to lose these seasons. I know the Pac-12 released the Conference schedule and ASU and UVA are playing the first game of the season on like the twenty sixth of September, something crazy like that, and it's just like, well, okay, I'll be surprised if we get to that point. <laughs> yeah, football think. ain't
2: happening.
1: Yeah, I don't see how you can do it. I don't. I mean, that and the thing is, like, I and it, kudos to the NBA and the bubble. I mean, that is working. And the football had four or five months to come up with something similar to that. They could have like regional bubbles. They could have done something else than what they're doing, but they're trying to function like a business as usual on that level. And yeah. like you said, like said, Nacho, with the college students, is like they they had the leverage, but you know, think about it. They don't have most of them don't have insurance. Most of them don't come from well-to-do families. Most kids need to be in college football, they need to be in college because the home situation is straight You know, so it's a it's a bunch of like you know little things that these little factors that are kind of that are going to come to a head if NCAA just find a tangible solution to all this because it just came out today. They had like nine UCLA players, football players, tested positive for COVID. These came out today. I don't okay. see how you're going to be able to contain this if you're going to do a business as usual. And that seems to be the case for most – I mean, the SC, let's be honest. The SEC is not giving up football. I can't. If they give up football, that's when I'll pay attention. Uh, I,
2: thought,
1: <laughs> I thought UConn, they gave up their football season. And uh, I know some high schools in Texas are not having football, so that that's a big deal. In Texas, Texas, bro, like yo, like
2: oh
1: yeah. So in Texas, I mean, it's, it's basically it's obviously on a district by district basis, but mm-hmm. there are some football team, football schools in Texas that are just giving up on you know having a season this 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 year. So I don't know, man.
0: Yeah, it's it's not. This isn't a complicated issue, but because we've never been faced with it before, and because the people in charge of it have never been told no, mm-hmm. and they're not used to business as usual, and you know, why can't? Why is it my money enough to get this thing fixed? You know, they they can't just throw money at this thing and and have it go away. Um, you know, just that that can, there's no control. It's just such an evening out factor with this virus has done to every faction of our of our society and it's it's not disheartening to watch it's kind of enlightening especially you know like these kids are going to have the opportunity to really fight you know to get paid to get some sort of compensation and this wouldn't have this would have been inconceivable five years ago you know we where they finally got their video game rights or like the california law in order to allow them to sign autographs and stuff and get paid right. make appearances you know, so we saw that as, as monumental. Well, you know, this is the opportunity right here to to figure something out.
1: Right, and um, you know, shout out to you know Last Chance You. I really I really enjoyed this past season and stuff. And like, it I thought Last Chance You did a great job of really portraying. If you don't go to like a scuba or Independence You where. They have dorms, and they have resources to help kids out. Uh, in this recent season, Last Chance Year, these kids are commuting like two, three hours just to go to school and play yep. football, and there's no room and board. There's no meal plan. It's all for the love of the game and stuff. And I thought this season did a great job of really portraying like the realistic college experience for most college football players. I would say in these like yeah. situations, maybe like, not, like maybe 60 to 70% of what actual college football programs are going through.
0: Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, that was a big change because it really focused on the city, the gentrification of Oakland. Uh, and the fact that this is the one team that wasn't like a, a super team, that wasn't a team that went deep in the playoffs or won any type of championships. Like, they barely missed the playoffs. Spoiler alert, sorry, Leo. Um, <laughs> but. You know, it's – yeah, like you said, it really harped on these kids who are, are really – like, last chance you, like, finally lived up to the name because for most of these kids, with the exception of maybe one or two of them, it, it was their last chance, and this is the last time that, you know, they're ever going to play football uh, at a competitive level. So, you know, was, I, I just finished it this afternoon, so it, it, was, it was good.
1: Yeah, it and just the kind of, kind of how the homelessness was, like, accepted. Like, you'll see if you watch it, uh like – like people, the kids are homeless, like legitimately homeless, and like yeah. you know, you know about the Bay Area, like the the cost of living there is ridiculous. So you got kids, oh, in yeah. cars trying to get to football practice and stuff. <clears throat> now you got this coach yelling at you. You're hungry, like that. It it did, a, it did a great job of really focusing on the reality of gentrification and the reality of most college kids' situations where you don't have those resources to really get to the next level. I imagine if a lot of those kids had those, you know, FCC or Pac-12 resources, they would have a, a legitimate shot. But that's not the case with most call ju- jucos. So, not that yeah, yeah. a good job.
2: Of ju- yeah, yeah. I su- I just watched the first episode right before we started recording, uh, and it ends on the, on um, uh, on the the kid sleeping in his car. Um, yeah. And yeah, ju- jucos in in um, California, um, they don't play a national schedule. They don't get scholarships because uh, it's all local folks uh, to where they are, and they, they you got to grind. Like I know a couple, I know a couple kids. Um, actually, uh, Randy, one of our friends who played football at uh, U of A, um, he went to Juco um, in California. So it's 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 tough. It's a grind. Yeah, and this season
0: set the record for most times bruh has ever been uttered
2: on a television <laughs> show.
0: Uh, so that that happened uh but the soundtrack also was pretty great especially that first episode uh the thistle dance and you know they're on the locker room and you know that that's when we were in college Thistle dance that's when like the peak of the hyphy era the mid 2000s when it was really going
2: off um it's crazy cool to see it's crazy that song still like it's still such an anthem up there oh yeah like they still play it like, like I, I, when I used to live in San Francisco. It would come on in in a bar real quick, and everybody just get get this real quick. Like, it's um, it's funny. Like, it is what twenty twenty, and that song came out what two thousand. When did that song even come out? I feel like it came so, out. In it's like four like or Yeah, well, yeah.
1: Because okay.
2: when
0: did when did Mac Trey pass away? He was already. It was two thousand
1: four. Yeah, five oh four.
0: So that song couldn't be older than two thousand two, two thousand three
1: ish. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I you got, y'all remember those U of A days, like Hypey was like the thing when we were in school. Like that was Whew. that you know, D forty had a bit of a resurgence and keep the sneak and Rick Rock. Yeah. And
0: all
1: no, when like, when
2: tell that, me when the go came out, I mean that
0: was oh, just... Yeah.
2: Oh, I was a rat we told when told me when the go came out. Yeah. I, I think we we're at Becca's
1: wedding months. and I started fizzing on the floor. Like, I started, you know, going dumb on the floor in the suit.
2: Oh, and those those, uh, those <laughs> lights were – they didn't know what hit them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Why is he on the floor? I'm like, yeah. so, um, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, so what the, what's, let's talk about the NBA because, you know, like we said, the, the, the way they've executed the bubble has been great. I'm grateful that basketball is back. I'm great that basketball is at a high level. I'm grateful that the the viewing experience, in my opinion, has been enhanced with this bubble. Like, There's no drop-off in quality of the game. Not one bit, Not in the broadcast. Not in the interviews. Not in any of that. And in fact, it feels more intimate because it's like, you don't have the crowds. You don't have all the distractions. You just have basketball. And Mm -hmm. like you have these athletes hype at their most competitive, really giving it their all. So it's just nice to see. It just feels more intimate
2: right now. Yeah, Yeah. the – the camera angles, like, if you want to get real technical, I think the camber angles work really well um, because now you see how big, strong, and fast these players are. Um, yeah. There's one camera angle I don't really like, and it's like the real low kind of court side angle that they try to push. They it, There's something about it that just doesn't work. Um, they used to have one a version of it in 2001 that looked really good, but you can't use it all the time, and I see what they're trying to do. Uh, but like, yeah, I agree. Like, there's there's been a lot of um, intimacy uh, with the game. It looks cleaner, uh, maybe because of court there's not a lot of distractions on the court with the from fans and logos and all this stuff. The virtual fan thing is pretty nice. Um, even the WNBA's bubble look looks good. Like, I'm I'm enjoying those games as well. Yeah, yeah. I
0: mean, my Phoenix Suns are the only Western Conference team undefeated <laughs> in the bubble. So oh I gotta God. put that out there.
2: That's something that uh we never would have uh, expected in two thousand twenty. So that... Yo, Nacho really thinks that he's zero and zero coming into the bubble like this is a new season. This is this is so <laughs> annoying. Off season Nacho's is. the fucking worst.
1: To, to 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 Nacho's credit, the Suns did start out pretty well. They did start out pretty well this season. It's just injuries and eating and suspended yeah. and stuff like that's pretty much where things dropped off in the butt. They started the season pretty well.
0: Yeah, they started off like seven and, like seven and three or something like that and Aiden got suspended the second game for twenty five games and you see how tough the West is. I mean, look at all the teams that are fighting for that one spot. I mean, one through seven's already seated or pretty much uh
2: dictated. And you number see, one is number one is taken.
0: Yeah, I know. They're losing right now by ten. So that's, that's and
2: cool.
0: we don't care. We we got it <laughs> locked up. We good. Yeah, you do, congratulations.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised yeah, they're still playing the starters like this. I'm so surprised they're not resting Braun and letting you
2: know. Well, they,
0: like, uh, they can't. I mean, they've been wrestling for three weeks. Like,
2: yeah, they've been wrestling they gotta,
0: for four months. Like, they got to have the rhythm going.
2: They got yeah. They got to go. They got to just use this as, like to try shit out. New different lineups. Other players got to play with each other. Um yeah. But but Savant Nacho, you 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 know what the um, when do they have to have the uh, the playoff or like the, the game playoff to see the last. Eighth seed or something like that? Well, the... if they mean the playing game between the
0: eight and the nine, if they're tied, or if yeah, within, I think if it's like the within a game or something, then they'll have it. Got it. Um, One game. so uh, I'm not well, that's obviously after the eight games are played, but right now, like last night really hurt because Houston couldn't handle the Blazers, and like the Blazers aren't a regular A seed. Like they'd be like a top four team in the East, if, you know, with this team that they have now that they're finally healthy. Um, so they're not a normal A.C. They're they're the best team of the teams that are fighting for the eight spot. Um, yeah. but like uh, Memphis is, is slipping; their own four. They lost Jaron Jackson for the rest of the season with a torn meniscus. Mm-hmm. Um, like San Antonio, I believe, lost today. Yep. So you know the Suns play uh, the Pacers tomorrow, and all of a sudden. James Harden Jr., <laughs> T.J. Warren, averaging 39 <laughs> points a game.
1: Y'all trading him for cash, bro. Like, y'all trade he, him for cash.
0: Yeah, okay. All right, I can explain. I'm not going to defend right, hold on. Hold on hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. He used to be. Okay. We're getting a brand-new,
2: renovated, beautiful arena whenever we can go back. Okay, it's going to be – No, savior. no, there's that's no such thing as brand-new, renovated – Okay, just well a, just wait, man. That's really. that's
0: cheap. That's Project two oh one, man. Look it up, Google it. Do your Googles. It's, it's, it's literally gonna be a brand new arena. All right. Anywho, <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna defend the trade. Okay. Literally the Suns dumped a guy who's can get fifteen to eighteen points a game in his sleep. Right? The thing is, he's he had foot injuries all last year. He didn't he missed you know nearly half the season. Um, seeing what he's doing now, obviously I didn't expect him to average 39 points a game. Uh, nobody did, uh, but being seeing him play the last five years, I'm not surprised. That's that's what he does. He scores in bunches. Uh, what what is new is he hasn't been making threes. Like right, this is the first time that he's making and taking as many threes as he has. He's always been a great mid-range guy. He's always been an excellent slasher, finisher in transition. You know that's T.J. Warren. Uh, but the Suns had four guys in that wing spot. You know, they just committed to Kelly Oubre to a similar deal that T.J. Warren was under, so they had to trade one of them. Uh, did they knew Mikael Bridges, who's 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 been stellar so far in the bubble. You know, 3D yeah. guy. Yeah. Uh, Cam Johnson, rookie, who's who's also improved mightily. He's definitely a, you know disappointed that they passed the Tyler Harrow, but I mean, this guy's got more size and he's knocking down threes and he's playing hard and he's, he's taking over that fourth spot for the sons. And, and since they've made that switch in the lineup, they've been playing much better. So um, from that reasoning, I understand it. It sucks. They didn't get anything back, you know, they were, but you know, I, they're both playing really well right now. So I can't really fault the sons for doing what they did. Because this is the first legitimate shot they have at a playoff spot in ten years, so.
1: Yeah, and looks like all the stars are lined up in their favor right now, and they not to face the Lakers. But you know, I mean, I mean, what they have to do the playing game, right? Because the eighth and the ninth team have a playing game, right? Is that, is that how they're doing it?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think eighth, but is it eighth, and ninth, and yeah? yeah I think I, it's the eighth and ninth team. Go yeah. Ahead. The 19
1: team is like four games within the AC. They have like a playing game, so I don't right. Know. I don't know. Uh, I I still think this is pretty wide open. I think people are still getting back into shape and still getting their legs and stuff. So, I think next week's gonna be the the real week where I'll be like, okay, who's really separating themselves from the pack? And um, so we'll see, man. But um, yeah. The, uh, kudos to the NBA and figuring out how to make this work through a pandemic. So. Of to of
2: one, one one of my best friends just—I was on the phone with him earlier. He was like, "Man, if Adam Silver was the president of the United States, man, we'd have been done with this shit." Man,
1: we would have, because you saw. Him. Okay, so let's get to that. So, uh, and I
2: think we just lost Nacho, but damn, <laughs> he'll come back. I need nacho comments on this. Yeah,
1: <laughs> he'll come back. But let's talk about that because you know there was a there was a viral interview. And Yo. um, I'm not um, sure um, back. Yeah. I'm yeah. back. Sorry, so so we're, um, your your boy, Donald Trump, one percent Leo. Uh, so <laughs> there was a uh, viral, there's some clips that were leaked from a HBO Axios video interview. I think Axios is like the Australian version of HBO. I don't know, I don't know.
2: No, it's it's uh, it's just another news um outlet, they're becoming big. I forgot who started it. Um, but they're you can consider them like a vox or a um i don't know if you guys are if you guys know what cheddar is um but they're they're kind of a new news outlet and now for their t v media stuff uh, they signed with um with h b o to have specials kind of like h b o sports as their own like type of thing um so they're they're kind of a, a reputable reputable uh news site now
1: okay well that's the that's pretty much this is a great promotion for them. So they were able to nab the president of the United States who honestly doesn't do too many sit down interviews with people. He doesn't like if it's not Fox News, he doesn't do too many sit down interviews with people. So the interviewer, uh Jonathan, what's his last name? Jonathan Swan. Swan. From Australia put on a clinic on how to do journalism. And I thought this made him look Really well, I thought this made American journalism look terrible, because what he was able to do was he was able to put Trump in a position to explain his bullshit. Because normally <laughs> with Trump, the, the the main thing with him is during his presidency is he's been able to control the narrative wherever he's at. So if it's like a White House press conference, he can control the narrative. He can have a you know the speaker speak on his behalf. He can cut people off. He can you know insult people, and if it's like anything else, is like, well, you know, you know, it's going to be short quips, it's going to be, but the thing is, we saw for the, I won't say for for the first time, but we saw for the first time in a while, Trump having to try to explain his propaganda and his bullshit, and he did a great job of not trying to, like, he he understood the moment, and he understood Trump, and I felt like he challenged him in a way that Trump didn't walk out, he put Trump in a position to, Trump was defensive, and you never see Trump defensive, like wholly defensive. And then when you try to here's logic, you're like, "What the fuck is
2: this nigga talking about?" So <laughs>
0: well,
2: he doesn't know. <laughs> so I'm yeah, to read, read the manuals, read the books. What books? <laughs> what manuals? Like this isn't a car you're My, talking about, right? My man said, when I was, when I was president. We didn't even have a test for this. This is no one's even even heard of it." And dude is like, yeah, why would you have a test? It's new. You didn't have a virus then. <laughs> oh my God. Yo, but yeah, he put on a clinic. Like and and all like I don't like Joe Biden from the next dude. Um all Joe Biden gotta do, and I've heard he's like he's um he's purchased the most ad uh time in president in like in campaign history. So all he has to do is just run clips from that. They have Biden in the background, not saying a damn word and just shrugging his shoulders, like, okay, <laughs> that's all he has to do. You got this lot, fam. Nothing,
0: yeah. No, whoever's oh, running his ad God. campaign so far has done an awesome job because every single Biden ad that we've seen has just been, well, okay, that's that's it. Like, you don't have to say anymore, like, you don't even have to say what you're going to do. You just, you're just basically saying, I'm not that guy, I'm gonna acknowledge just how bad he's in his administration has been doing on purpose and it's not going to be that way. Like it's really the easiest campaign that anyone's ever been tasked to run. Like it's, it's truly unprecedented, right? Like you've never run against anything so dumb. And um, yeah, like it's, 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 you know, when we, we posted in the chat and I've seen all the clips and stuff, I haven't watched the full thing, which is like, do I need to watch something like this? Because he's the same way with, Press corps. He's the same way. Even with Fox News, like it's just the difference here is the guy is just like, no, like that's not true. That's not the case. But it, you, but you should watch it. But there's something about, I don't know, maybe his Australian charm or accent that is just like inviting, where he he's just not like fighting him back, or you know, cutting him off.
1: Is, I think it is. I think because of that accent, he sounds smarter. I think Trump it threw Trump off because. That accent made him sound much more educated, so I think Trump gave him a level of respect that he wouldn't give normal American journalists.
0: Yeah,
1: it's just it's, it's they were British people; they just sound smarter, even though they're you know technically not smarter. They just sound smarter. I think Trump gave him some deference when it came to the questions he was asking. So,
0: yeah, like he was definitely—I wouldn't say poised because he wasn't that—but it's just he enabled retort. Like, there yeah. were actually volume yeah. back and forth, which is something we haven't seen. Chris Wallace kind of did it, but it was just like, okay. Like, we. I'm sure if we were to watch that whole thing unedited, it would have been a little bit better for Chris Wallace. Um, but this was just completely different. It looked like um, an SNL skit. It looked like something, uh, like The Interview, that one movie that caused all that commotion
2: a couple of years ago with uh, Seth Rogen and uh, James Franco. yeah yeah you know but you should watch the whole thing because um the interviewer he he's been he's been um he's been covering trump for the last eight years he said um and he's been going doing the rallies so I think he's built up a pretty good uh professional reporter relationship with trump so like he has that 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 air of, uh of respect a little bit with him um and, you know, he, he when he does break away from the conversation, he comes back. he's like, um, you've done he gives him a compliment. So, like, it's it is textbook like this is how you deal with this person. Give him a little compliment. Call him, Mr. President. Uh, but then, like, hold what he's saying to the fire and like and, and kind of fact check him right then and there. And you can just tell that he Trump has no idea what he's actually talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he just has like little
0: charts that you see at work, like little graphs. Like graphs like, in <laughs> and we don't even know what's on it. Like, it could be just look at the graph. Look at the bars. Look, it says
2: we're bars. the the rest of the world. Well, the the chart that he tried to show was the deaths are going down per uh, per state, right? But if you actually do that, and this is some problem with statistics sometimes is that you can manipulate it to say what you want, but the, the, the deaths are actually going up per capita per state. And Trump was trying to use a uh, chart, which shows that he doesn't know how to read a chart or how to do math um, <laughs> or knows what it is. And then he just like told himself, it is what it is. Like, yeah. oh my god. I've never heard anybody outside of sports say it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. I also
1: thought, um, so... The other thing I thought to that because Trump was trying to say per capita, per capita, per capita, and John De kept trying to go, it's per capita, like this is bad. He's like, and I thought the money line was uh, John De was like, fifty million people in South Korea, only three hundred deaths. Like (laughs) that was a. And Trump was like, well, "You're not look. You can't do that. Like, <laughs> That's literally. You literally said you can't do that." I was like, "Oh, not boy. Fair. And the funny thing is, like Trump's team, they don't care about PR. They haven't cared since he's been no. office. They knew it was going to be a shit show. Shit show. As soon as he got in office, so they didn't. I never cared about PR, but this is like the first really bad PR moment, and it's happening during a time where re is coming up, and. Yeah. You know, as ignorant as his following may be, there's no way you could look at that from an agenda standpoint and be like, yo, something's off about this dude. Or you can't, you have to lose some form of confidence if you have a human soul. But as we're seeing with the you, COVID is rising, people don't have a soul when it comes to how to navigate.
2: Yeah. Them. You, you would think that like a rational person would be like, okay, we made a mistake. Um, this guy is not good for this office but uh becca actually just retweeted a tweet uh earlier today or maybe yesterday talking about was like oh you know he may do some bad things and uh you know he's just really trying he's he's he, i i still love him i, I don't i just uh, like, like bro doesn't. like i don't he, know I is, don't he, is he the president
0: or is he your abusive ex husband <laughs> right right like, those, both. That's like the, it's the same language we use when we have family members who are addicts
1: yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you
0: just can't let go. Like you have the one son who's just in and out of jail or just needs help. You know, you, you still love him. Like he, like his, fam, his base like has an unconditional regard for this man. It doesn't matter what he says or does. They're going to forgive him. That's why it's like none of this matters. We just have to get out and vote. Like it doesn't matter how long we have to stand outside or if they're going to outlaw mail in or whatever. It's just like, you know, I'm, I'm sick of it. Like, let's just do it. Like, I'll, okay. Yeah. Like, i I stood, waited for six, seven hours to see Attack of the Clones in two thousand two. I can wait three hours to vote this motherfucker out.
2: Not <laughs> a problem. And I, I, I. Yeah, and like now he's talking about he's talking about um mail-in voting from Florida. Oh boy. He's just all over the place. I just don't get uh, We got our elected fools that that have like Harvard law degrees, man. We got to We we did, voters. and
0: we did that before, and look where it got us.
2: But like that should be a criteria. You got to yeah, no, you have right. some type of law yeah. degree.
0: You got some type tests, of degree.
2: Like, I'm sorry, anybody just not just anybody can't just be president. I'm sorry.
0: Well, that's never gonna change, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they said, go like, oh, to Joe Biden. This I'm like, yo, this guy's been a, a career politician. He's been in the Senate for longer than we've been alive. We've been alive for a long time.
1: You know what? You I know? think if if, Trump, if Biden would have ran in 2016. He might have fared better. But because he waited and he's, he's lost some of that, you know, sharpness. He he, he seems like he's overwhelmed and you just tell like he's just slowed down a lot.
0: Um, he, he's, he's, kind of like a, he's kind yeah. of their McCain. He's kinda their John McCain because John McCain would have been the candidate in two thousand to go against um to go against Al Gore. He would that was his time, right? But, Obviously, mm-hmm. Bush comes along, and we know the Bush family structure goes back from World War II. Like there was no way George W. Bush was going to lose that election, and 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 hopefully we're not headed to that same calamity as we were in 2000. Um, and then here comes McCain in 2008, and he just runs into a bus saw with Obama, and he had no shot to win there, right? So in 2016 is kind of the same way with with George W. as with with Hillary. It was Hillary's time, right? Hillary should have won and should have ran in no way. Here comes, you know, Barack, and finally, here's her time, you know. And Biden probably would have been the better opportunity in 16, but it was Hillary's time. And now the Dems had absolutely no plan of recourse after just getting curb stomped in 16. And like, oh, fine, Joe, it's your turn. Go, good luck. Here, here's, here's a sack lunch.
1: <laughs> I think we're going to start seeing a little, a little bit more Obama. Uh, I think hopefully he can help engage some of the disillusioned kind of democrats the younger people hopefully he can help engage them because right now there, there's a big gulf between older democrats and the younger more radical democrats so hopefully yeah obama can help him galvanize that unit because i think the young people are really gonna make a difference this time yeah. around and, no that, uh,
0: you're, you, that's a fair point i think what Obama's eulogy at at John Lewis's service was like the first time he's really had like a a public moment like that where he was where it felt like we're watching the president Obama again. Yep. Right. That, that, you know, that was the first time since he's been out of office that we got a regal presidential speech from him and it was riveting. Um, And then you you just got to look at, you know, I, I remember, obviously, I worked in a high school this whole time the day after the election in 2016, just a couple of kids who were minorities who were legitimately scared. Like, what are we supposed to do? And then these kids were like juniors and seniors. And I said, you know, just stay the course. Everything's going to be okay. Obviously, I didn't know what was going to happen. <laughs> but I told him, it was just like in 2020, when you guys are finally able to vote, all this pain and stuff that you're going now, you got to take it serious or else something like this could happen again. So I just think that young group of people who yeah. experienced and who've gone through this firsthand and who didn't have a chance to have a say in this, they're going to come out in droves. And I think we're we're really going to have a higher voter turnout. And, and that's why they're trying to change everything with the mail-in and putting, you know, voter fraud, at least the idea of voter fraud in mail-in because they know the numbers don't work in the GOP's favor and they're going to get destroyed if we just have a normal election.
2: Yeah. A, a study just came out today um, or some statistics just came out today in the U.S., uh, younger people out outnumber the boomer generation, so uh, millennials uh gen gen y um, x and z we now outnumber in population size in the country, so the progressives the the younger people will get out and vote i I believe in this um, this cycle um and I think we're gonna have I think we're gonna have a serious third party. Exactly. Um yeah. not this election, but then but the next election. I think we're gonna have a really serious third party that is that is more yeah. left um than normal. I don't know how far left it will be. I don't think it would be super radical left, but I think it would be um an AOC type yes. of I like AOC, like Ilhan
0: Omar, like there's there's Uh, there's definitely next generation who are already in office or who are about to get into office who are going to kind of spearhead that next tier of whatever this this whatever this centricism that's been plaguing the dems for the last 10 years it's not working right and the reason why the gop has their loss of power has all been you know taken into fruition is because you the, they're smash it's smash mouth football. They're just running it down everybody's throat, and yep. nobody's going to stop them. Yep.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think this might be the last. I mean, I mean, I'm not. Let me not say that because this country, there's always a white lash anytime progress happens. But yeah, I think for the next decade, we're going to see a lot, especially in, in Congress. We're going to see different faces that we have never seen before, and I think that's where the real change is going to happen. And I think with you know. Yeah. And and with local elections and governors and stuff, I think that trend is going to continue to go as well. Where we have more women, women governors, women women mayors, women representatives, and people of color and stuff, and younger people and stuff. And yeah, I think this might be the last hurrah for the GOP for a while. Doesn't mean it's not—you know—they're going away, but I can see a shift happening. And I think the coronavirus has been a case study as to there's—I mean, we knew as soon as Trump got elected, there was two Americas. And Obama, I always say this. I always say that Obama was the America we was trying to portray to the rest of the world, and Trump was the America we was trying to hide from the rest of the world because we knew that was America. <laughs> we knew that we knew the real America was Trump's America. And um, there's 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 been a and just the way the COVID has been handled even to this day. There's still COVID parties being thrown. People, there was I, I don't understand how people can look at Herman Cain passed away. Like people are looking in the face of death and be like, nah, you're not real and <laughs> yeah. people are dying and it's still like, now what?
0: Oh you no. Know? Like, dude, it's it's over. Like it's it's yeah. beyond over. Like there's still people that I know and like, you know, I've you know, our last episode obviously we we dealt with the personal effects of, of dealing with it, you personally and you know, and people that I know and the conversations that I've had, um, I don't know, the the town of Guadalupe who's um, basically, kind of like a, a small town that's in between Tempe and South Phoenix. It's like kind of right right there, like right across from Arizona Mills. Lee or or Leo, if you guys have been there. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. So so it's it's more majority Mexican, majority Tauskaliaki uh, tribe. Well, they've been absolutely slammed, slammed with COVID. Uh, saw an Instagram poster of someone I went to high school with who who lives in in, in 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 Guadalupe, and he's lost 12 friends and family members to COVID. Damn in the last five months, what? Uh, <laughs> 12. Yeah, that's not a, not a joke. Um, I have uh, the person I work with who lives in Guadalupe, her whole family, family about five or six, they all were sick at the beginning of July. Um, her father-in-law passed yesterday from it. Um, so they've had like two or three. Uh, like it's just like, for some reason, like it feels different in those in more impoverished uh, communities. Obviously, you know, we don't really know how bad we get the numbers from the Navajo nations and the other Indian communities. Oh, Guadalupe is really, like Guadalupe is basically that it's just, yep. we have access to you just kind of drive through it. Um, They have little to no resources. They're just kind of on their own. And, you know, when you, when you hear people say that, you know, open the schools is to say that there, these are people with resources. These are people who live in homes, who, have their jobs still like if they're they're speaking from a place of their own reality, but the reality is well, there's way too many people out here who live in homes with seven, eight other people, multiple generations, and they can't social distance when somebody gets sick. Like they just can't. It's just physically impossible, and that's why we can't open schools. Right. Like they, we get that it's just you can't social distance. It's just it's a it's a privileged thing that these people we're all used to, obviously, but. These lower income folks, like you know, it sucks, and they're are just, just, just all there's all you know being left out to dry, and there just doesn't seem to be any answers. Yeah,
1: especially the Navajo Nation, that's just beyond track. I know that they've shut down a lot of like you know, especially in Arizona, they've shut down a lot of like sites and everything, and tourist sites yeah. and everything, just try to prevent the spread because. Like, you know, those reservations, the res, they don't have any resources, period. Like, their resources. No, are, like, they, they literally and still
0: and fetch their water. Like, they don't have right. running
2: water. Yeah. Damn. So,
1: yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. Beyond, beyond sad, beyond sad.
2: Uh, but, I was uh, meaning I guess, to look up some uh, stats around um, the Hasidic Jewish community out here in New York. Because, you know, I go by, I'll ride my bike uh, up through Williamsburg, and they have a huge population there. Not one person has a mask. They also live in communities and in buildings.
0: Leo,
1: Leo,
0: hello. I think his phone probably went to the screen. Oh. <laughs> You got some uh, editing so, to do.
1: Uh, I do. I sure do. Uh, so we are at forty-five minutes, so let me hang up and I'll call you guys back and we'll finish the podcast out. All right. All right. All right. Let's start with uh, so we were talking. What were we talking about? We we're talking about COVID shit, right?
0: Yes. We can we can move on if you'd like.
1: Okay. Yeah. So I wanted, I wanted to talk about Ellen DeGeneres. So uh, as he, a lot of people know, you know Ellen DeGeneres, obviously very famous for you know her show and you know, gay rights and everything like that. There's a lot of sexual harassment things that are coming unrest with their staff and everything. And the posturing that some of the celebrities are doing to her defense is very disturbing because it turns into, uh, you know, it it turn, it takes the attention away from the victims and the people that's been affected. It turns into, well, she's my friend. She would never talk to me like that. Uh, so I wanted to get you guys a response on Ellen. And I guess it looks like the show's not going to be but she may walk away from it. I I don't know what's going to happen, but the future of the show seems uncertain. So I'm going to get you guys to stop.
0: You know what it reminds me of? You know, when they asked uh, 45 about Gil Shane Maxwell, I wish her well. (laughs) 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 That's exactly what it is. It's the same exact thing. Like what Jay Leno, like I've never seen Jay Leno tweet ever. And he's all of a sudden I see him on the TL tweeting on how much she loves Ellen and how, how close, how great person she is and how close friends they are. Like, okay, great. Like you guys are all like one, the, the 1% of the 1%ers when it comes to entertainment, you know, you guys are all in the same bread basket. Like what's really in those files that were unsealed.
2: <laughs> yeah. So...
0: <laughs> you know,
2: I, I don't like it just because, they're they're like I think you're kind of alluding to this, but like those celebrities and others they're like they're on the same level as Ellen, and the people who are who are making these claims and um trying to speak up are people who are working in the studio who don't get the recognition they they may have their name in the credits, but like nobody's really reading the credits they're making they're really the ones that are making the show go mm. so it it and I I know somebody, or we all actually know somebody who um, works in the TV entertainment. He's like, you know, these claims, I, I can tell they're probably pretty, they're pretty substantiated. They're probably really true because that's just how that industry works.
0: Yeah. You yeah. shouldn't, but... <laughs> no, I mean, that you're talking about power structure in television that's been this way for like 50, 60 years, uh, especially the last 40 when you have these specific talk shows that are like so powerful like we just had the passing of regis philbin and yeah he was a mainstay he was an icon but one of his lasting things is how he stated on the record how he encouraged trump to run for president well wow. that he was doing an awesome job of course nobody wants to bring that up after his passing but it's just like this is that's the circle that's the same circles that they that these all these people run in and that's I right. that's the type of power that they wield And the other thing about Ellen is, like, she's a comedian at
1: her core. So I don't know if you guys are talking about, like, comedians, like really good comedians, but they are some of the most crass, like, non-filtered. They just operate on a different plane in terms of, like, their behaviors. It's, it's a different world. And comedians and musicians were closely linked because it literally is our own universe. You can, pound, you can pound what you guys are saying as far as her being in the top 1%. Of, you know, talk shows, celebrities—you can find, you can find that with being a comedian. It's just some things don't register the same way it would to a known person. You hear things of abuse going on in your own your own organization. So I don't know. It's very it's very disheartening to hear. And then you got Kevin Hart. I mean, I understand Ellen came into Kevin Hart's platform to and apologize. And I understand Kevin Hart comes to her defense, Jay
0: left every day,
1: but. You just take it attention away from those, and that's why I mm-hmm. don't appreciate. It.
0: Yeah, like that's that's what's really been the huge, you know, fight in the comeuppance in the last five six years is people finally having a voice and getting the bravery to to stand up and to finally speak out, and then all of a sudden you're having these other powerful celebrities that are under the guise of defending their friend, having their voices silenced, um, which is really the the case. Um, so some something's about to happen. I mean, you know, like, what did he, what did he say? Was it in that Axios interview? And they were talking about, um, why he wished her well, but why he didn't say much about John Lewis. And he was talking about how <laughs> Epstein was, may or may not have been killed in prison. Like he was basically just telling on himself.
2: <laughs> say yeah, same interview, bro. I'm telling you, watch the interview. He said <laughs> he was killed or may or may not have been killed. I was like,
1: oh my God, why are you talking why, why are you talking? <laughs> Yo, so I have a question. So they you can't, you know, you can't file charges on the city president. If Trump loses, are charges gonna come out? Like, is it all
0: gonna like come down fresh? You know, like, in terms of all the charges they'll be able to let me against him. Um, him first, so probably know? probably around one o'clock on January twentieth, two thousand
2: twenty-one. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you can file charges on a president. How? Is that's that that's what the impeachment process is. Yeah, that's what the breaches process is.
1: But mm-hmm. I I
2: guess those are
1: I mean, I obstruction of justice. I guess is a charge. But they were able to you know the send obviously on publicly known. So, but these are like you know I hope Maxwell talks. I hope she tells all the skeletons are closet and I don't know. This might this might be. I mean, Trump's presidency already has no precedent in the bottom, bottom century, but if charges come out against him after he's done, like I wonder what they're gonna get him on, because you know, he's basically spent his entire cabinet insulting the intelligence community. Like, you know, CIA, FBI, he's basically ignored them in favor of Fox News. So yeah. I don't know.
0: I mean, we're all about to see something that we've never ever seen before that we didn't think was possible. You know, Nixon was the closest because we saw him having to, to be, uh, you know, he resigned. But the first thing Gerald Ford did after he was sworn in is is pardon him. So, yeah, that's that's another huge important thing of this election because part of it is Trump doesn't want to be reelected, but he knows these charges are looming. And I can see him winning if he does win somehow, some way. Resigning within the first couple of years of his second term, and mm-hmm. Pimps or whoever becomes the VP, it just immediately pardons him. Yeah, I can see that, um, that, that's that's probably that's probably in the playbook. So, did it, did
1: this episode predict his death in an episode recently?
0: Or predict or it... predict what? Uh, Trump's death. Uh, that's just a meme that's been running around. It's never appeared in an actual episode. Okay. Okay. I don't even know. Like, I've if it is like uh, it's within the last four years, and I've only seen a handful of episodes the last four years. But you know, I, I follow like most of the Simpsons producers and writers, and actually the showrunner from my favorite era of the Simpsons follows me on Twitter. So that's kind of like something I'm kind of proud of. Uh, <laughs> um, they've been around so long that all their satire has somehow become reality
1: yeah very true I
0: mean, like when you're doing this for 30 plus years and you know all this stuff that you go back and watch and this is like they didn't, how are they going to know that these guys didn't know they were going to still be on the air in 2020 and 1995 they're just writing the best comedy they can insane. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it really not, is. It's insane
1: that's really being real yeah because it's, it's all age well all of it's age well
0: oh some of it hasn't um <laughs> you know, kind of, some of it hasn't. Some of yes. it hasn't. I know uh, yeah. there's been the backlash with the uh, with Harry Shearer currently coming out. He's like the voice of like Mr. Burns and Smithers and stuff. And he was the voice of Dr. Hibbert, which is basically one of the few black characters on the show, is based off of Bill Cosby. Um, but like he doesn't have a problem voicing him because he's like we're actors. We're supposed to play different people we are just like, oh, God. Like, the sisters going to end get up getting canceled or canceling themselves with, you know, like, can they just give them their flowers, please, and just get them off the air gracefully before you have to cancel one of the main cast members and you can't have the show without their top five guys? So. Yeah,
1: you're right. You're right. So um, I didn't have anything else to talk about. What else you guys wanted to talk about?
2: Um, I just finished watching a series, a little, I guess it's like the first, um, I guess you can call it season, but it's a docu-series um, on Netflix called Love in Love on the Spectrum. It's about autistic people learning and trying to uh, date others. Um, I, I don't know if you've had any, and I, I'm sure since you, Nacho, you, you're in school, uh, or you're you work in education? You've seen autis- autistic autistic uh, kids, um, and how they mm-hmm.
1: playoffs.
0: Leo, you there?
2: <laughs> My back.
0: Hello?
2: Yeah, you're back. You're back. You're back. <sighs> every time Bye. we back we back we back but yeah love on the spectrum is really good um really interesting to see how people with autism um live every day work every day and then they you know they're also lurking and uh, yearning for love um, um it's actually refreshing to see their perspectives on love life and life in general like everything is just cut and dry for some of them and um you know i i appreciate that there's no there's no fluff it's just like Hey, I like this. It didn't happen well for me, but I got to move on. And yeah. it's just like, yeah, I, I love that. <laughs> I'll have to check that out. Yeah, because um, I've
0: worked in special ed before. My mother's worked in special ed for 23 years now and, you know, a couple of family members that are, you know, autistic and highly functioning. and That's definitely something that, uh, you know, have a history with and experiences with. So, you know, it's definitely a completely different world, but very similar in a lot of different ways, too.
2: So that's all I had. Um, I have to go run the, the pre-daddy duties and go get some medicine and some Top Ramen. Hey, man. and the craving of Craven or Top Ramen. Oh, Goddamn. This is what? the fun part. This is the fun part. So. pet Peasant food, man. I gotta go get peasant food. Man, right. Wow! Don't you don't you have
0: an assistant to do that shit, Leo? Right, one percent,
2: man. <laughs> I should. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right, well, that's our podcast.
0: Thank you. Oh wait, wait! I got, I got, I actually got a shout out. I, I got a shout out. Playoffs. Okay. Yeah, man. Let's let's shout out Devin Armani Booker. Um, the moment of the bubble so far. Okay. So. Free book. Free book? Free no, we're, book. we're not. We're not. We're not doing that. We're not doing free book. It's it's keep book. He's free. He's, that man. he's Max Book. Okay, so let's 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 get that out of there. <laughs> I appreciate the the Laker trolling, but you have two of the five best players in the world currently on your roster. So let's just just be happy with that. Uh, but hey, yeah, I'm not even
2: saying he got to come to the Lakers, bro. He just need to get out of Phoenix. No, he's not. He's not, man. He's not. We'll say that for another day. Yeah, yeah. We'll save that for
0: every other tweet that you Laker fans you Laker fans Do you like to it? like to annoy the hell out of us, you know, Suns fans. But yeah, man, that was an awesome moment. That was generally like, with everything that's going on, that was like one of the few like genuine happy moments that I've had in the last five months was getting, <laughs> making that damn shot. And it might not have been to anything, you know, they still got a, a huge hill to climb and a lot of help from other teams, but Man, that it just that felt like something special, you know. When it goes down in his career, like that, that perfectly defended shot by one of the game's best defenders, and the virtual fans in the background with the hand—it was like a a weird, uh, you know, science fiction version of the Jordan Utah shot with all the fans in the crowd. They they just (laughs) knew what was about to happen.
1: We just saw the the
0: virtual fans doing
1: that, so.